Brother Gene Gurley will read from the scripture this evening. If you'll turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. I'll be reading chapter of Genesis chapter 22, verses 5 through 8. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Most of you who are here tonight would be very familiar with the story of Abraham and the almost sacrifice of his son Isaac. God had asked of Abraham something that he had never asked before of anyone, and he never would ask it again. He asked Abraham to give his son, the son of promise, as a sacrifice, a sacrifice that would be taken by his own hand. And Abraham was fully prepared to do as God had instructed him to do. But when God saw Abraham's determination to carry out the command, even as the knife was in his hand ready to strike, a voice from heaven stopped him, and a lamb was substituted for his son, the son he loved. Incidentally, what God did for Abraham, he could not do for himself. His son had to be sacrificed. Within that wonderful story is Abraham's earlier answer to Isaac's question, where is the lamb? The patriarch assured Isaac, my son, God will provide. Genesis 22, verse 8, God will provide. He did. He always does. Because that's what our God is, a providing God. God provides. As, as I thought about that uh, truth this week, I, I considered how much time you could spend tracing the provisions of God throughout the pages of sacred history. And I realized quickly that there were far too many examples for a single short lesson. And so instead of doing as Paul did in Acts 20 when he continued his message till midnight, verse 7, I'd just like to take the time to examine four provisions of God as they are given in the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. If you'll turn in your Bible to Philippians, 
All four of these provisions are related to Jesus and how because of him you and I do not have to say as Abraham did, God will provide. We can say God has provided. Let's see them. First of all, we want to note that Jesus provides a purpose in life worth pursuing. Here's a question, and I'm going to ask it the way most people would ask it without consideration for whether or not a sentence should end with a preposition. What are you living for? What are you living for? In other words, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here? What are you doing with your life? You know, I think it's very sad, but very true that some never even think about their purpose in life. They just live. And you can be absolutely sure that if they don't know what their purpose in life is, and if it's not the right purpose, they're not going to live a very meaningful life. Others, we know, have the wrong purpose. They live to make money. They live to have material things. Or as Isaiah first notes, the attitude of people in Jerusalem during his day and repeated again later, Isaiah 22, verse 13, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. A beer commercial used to say you need to grab all the gusto you can get. And there are many people who live that way. We just live for what we can get and what we can do. And let me give you this piece of advice. The answer to this question about what is my purpose in life is a question that's too serious to be decided by accepting Internet ideas. <laughs> Troy talked this morning about Google. You know, if you, if you were to go and look, you'd find things like this. The very purpose of life is to be happy. The Dalai Lama said that, but I don't think he said it because he read it in the Bible. Because God's word does not tell us that the very purpose of life is for you to be happy. Someone else would say the purpose of life is to explore and experience. Another would say, I believe it is to become our greatest version. I don't know what version that is, version 2.0 or 3.1 or something, I guess. And then someone else came up with this brilliant one. The purpose of life is self-actualization. Now, granted, a lot of people don't even know what self-actualization is, so be difficult for that to be their purpose in life. But I guess my favorite was this one. Hmm, boots and cats. Really? A purpose of life? Let the Apostle Paul give us an answer that's much better, a true answer. Philippians 1.21, the apostle says, For to me, to live is Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. What did he mean by that? 
Well, don't overlook what he wrote in the previous verse, verse 20. Because he wrote there, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as, al as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 20 could not have been true unless Paul's life was bound up in Christ. We sometimes sing the words of the song, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. And happy is that person who can really sing it with true meaning in his words. In this same letter in chapter 3, beginning at verse 8, the Apostle Paul would write this. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, ref, as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. I think you could say that in that statement of Paul's, he connects himself to Christ as best he can. He, he talks about uh, Christ being his Lord. He talks about the willingness that he had to suffer the loss of everything else just so that he could gain Christ. He, he mentions that he wants to be found in him and that he wants to have faith in Christ and that he wants to know him, to really know him and the power of his resurrection. It hopes that that resurrection will be true of him as well. I think perhaps the best summary of Paul's outlook is that one from Galatians 2, verse 20. You've heard it many times. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the, fla faith, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice, it's not me anymore. The purpose of my life is not for me, it is for him. I don't live anymore. I put myself to death. But Christ lives in me. And that gives a purpose worth pursuing. The next three provisions in Philippians I think we'll show the benefit of choosing Christ as your life. And so here's the second one. Jesus provides a pattern worth imitating in life. You see, Paul not only understood that Jesus provided the best purpose for living, but that he also provided the pattern to achieve that purpose. And following the right pattern would get the right results. Years ago, I would have talked about women using a pattern to sew by. 
but most of you don't sew anymore. So I'll just talk about a blueprint for a building. If you want the building to be built correctly, you follow the blueprint. And you need the right blueprint to come out with the right product at the end of the construction. The apostle was not hesitant to encourage the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 15, 2, verse 5, excuse me, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. How are you going to, how's the purpose going to work? Well, you need the mind of Christ. And his fellow apostle Peter would write that Christ left us an example that we should follow his steps, 1 Peter 2.21. Now, I know that the context of 1 Peter 2.21 relates to the Lord's willingness to suffer. But we do also know this, every part of his life serves as an example that we could follow. Not just in his suffering, but all of his life is an example. Because in the verse that precedes this, he says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Why is Christ the perfect pattern? Because he's perfect. He's flawless. He never did wrong. He committed no sin. And no other example of correct living can match his. His love his mercy, his compassion, his devotion to God. Take anything that you want of his life, and all of those are truthfully in a class by themselves. Some might have approached them, some might have gotten close to them, but none got to the full extent of Jesus. I'm not saying there are no good examples among humans. The writer of Hebrews put it this way, if you want to turn your Bible to Hebrews 6 for just a moment. Hebrews 6. I want you to look at verses 11 and 12 with me. The Hebrew writer says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He goes on from that point to use Abraham as his example of that. And certainly we can understand why. Not, not only was Abraham an example of trust in God in Genesis 22, but in trust in God earlier when God promised him he was going to have that son. Even though he had grown old, even though it looked like there was no hope of an heir, God said, I'm going to give you an heir, and he did. And Abraham had the patience to wait for that promise. Paul would later write in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We look at Paul as a great example of Christianity, a man who was devoted to the Lord. And I take nothing away from Abraham or Paul when I say this, but I do say it honestly. We always go back to Jesus because he's our perfect pattern. No matter how good Abraham was, no matter how loyal Paul was, they're not the perfect pattern. Jesus is the perfect pattern. And he gives a pattern worth us imitating in life. It, it, it's sad in our shallow society how many people want to pattern themselves after people who are not worth 
being patterned after. Really? A movie star, rock star, football player, somebody else that they're worth devoting your life to be like? Here's the third provision. Jesus provides a prize worth gaining. Not only do we need the right purpose and the right pattern, but we need to be sure the goal that we're striving to reach really is the right goal. Why are we going the way we're going? Jesus reminded people that there were certain prizes that were not worth attaining. Matthew 16, 26, the familiar words, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Troy mentioned that. What good have you really done? If you gain everything, if you were, as he mentioned this morning, the richest person in the world, but you lose your soul, is the prize that you're seeking really the best prize? If you have your Bible again available, look at Matthew, the sixth chapter for just a moment. Matthew six. The words of Jesus, verse 19, a caution do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Been a lot of people who thought that they had security in what they possessed and find out, found out, Unfortunately, that it didn't last or it was taken from them. One of the great examples of that is in Luke 12. Jesus told of a man who thought he could gain a prize that would assure him of lasting happiness. And that man said to himself in Luke 12, 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Don't worry about anything. You've got everything you need. But the two verses which follow. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? See, here was a man who was providing for himself and was not taking advantage of God's provision. Then Jesus adds this word. So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's go back to Paul again. And let's look at Paul's goal. Chapter 3 of Philippians and verse 14. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And and he would write in that same chapter at verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. The the goal, the prize ought to be our home in heaven. Not the biggest home on earth, not the most wealth on earth, but if we have laid up treasures in heaven, our goal is to get there to our heavenly home. And Paul said that he would press toward that goal. He would put intense effort toward it. So should we. And the final provision, God, uh, Jesus provides the power needed to succeed. And that's nice to talk about a purpose and a pattern and a prize, but 
<clears throat> How do we achieve that? How do we reach the goal? And honest reflection makes us admit we can't do it on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter how diligent we are, depending on our own strength will only result in failure. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps, the prophet would say correctly. But the strength we ourselves don't possess is available. And so when you come to Philippians 4.13, one of the most loved verses of all the Bible, the apostle would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew the source of the strength needed to accomplish the goal. And that was the strength was Jesus. Jesus is life. Jesus is pattern. And now Jesus provider of the strength. The Lord had told his disciples in John 15 verse 5. Apart from me you can do nothing. And in that illustration of the vine and branches. We see the importance of connection with Christ. If you're connected to him, if he is your life, if you're living for him, if he's living in you, you can accomplish a lot. Disconnected, you'll fail and stumble and fall. God provides. He provides through Jesus a reason to live, a model who shows us how to live, a prize worth our life's efforts. And the strength that we need to accomplish in this life what will lead us to the next life and eternal life. I have to close with two thoughts. The provisions of God are great. I hope you take advantage of them. But I have to also note that sadly, some don't take advantage of God's provisions. Isn't it tragic that God has provided a way to live, a model by which to live, a goal worth reaching, the strength to reach it, and all of that is bound up in a Savior who gave his life so that we might be saved. Why would anyone not take advantage of that? If you haven't, you can, even tonight. If you put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, He's your only hope. And if you turn away from your sins by repenting of them, making your mind up, I'm not going to live like I've been living. I'm going to be different with God's help. And if you're willing to stand before others and confess your faith in Christ, you can be baptized into Him and you can begin that wonderful life that will lead to eternal life in the presence of God. If you need to respond to the invitation either to become a Christian or if you're a Christian who's not taking advantage of what God's provided for you as a child of God, we will gladly pray with you and for you if you'll come while we stand and sing.